Hey y'all, it's your favorite host, and I wanted to just pop in here to say, uh, if you're enjoying the show uh, and you'd like to give us some support, the best way to do that is through Patreon. Uh, I've launched the Patreon with a couple of tiers. There's a $3 tier, which gives you access to the Discord, and you come hang out with uh, me and the other friends inside of that, uh, and just kind of talk the show, talk a bunch of different nerd stuff. And then there is a, another tier, an $8 tier, uh, where you can get early access to episodes ad-free. Um, you will also get free access to all uh, micro-RPGs that I create in the future. Yeah, so again, uh, thank you so much for listening to the show. Um, if you'd like to give additional support, that's one way to do it. Another great way to do it is just, you know, go on to whatever platform you're listening to and rate the podcast, subscribe, uh, follow, leave a review if you can. Um, those things really help gain visibility for the show, and it is always greatly appreciated. Link is in the description. Thank you so much, and back to the episode. Welcome to the Secret Nerd Podcast, where we think everyone should play tabletop RPGs and give you some reasons why. With me today, I am very excited. Um, I have with me a guest who is a TTRPG performer, uh, a game designer, um, and an all-around uh, friend of many in the space and a wonderful presence. So yeah, if you would like to introduce yourself. Uh, hi, uh, I'm Dare. Uh, she, they, Fey pronouns all rock with me. Uh, yeah, that's a very kind introduction. But yeah, no, I'm a game <laughs> designer, performer, writer. Uh, poet. I do too many things on the internet uh, at all times. It's just kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> Might as well, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, you know, where I always like to start is just how did you get into nerd stuff in general? Um, I was born. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, like, I've always been a fan of like, like growing up, I was a big fan of like anime and everything like that. Like yeah. I remember watching my dad's old Gotcha Man like VHSs with like the terrible yellow subs. Uh, <laughs> like even as like a four year old, and then Dragon Ball Z happened, and uh, yeah, done forever. I had never stood yep. a chance at that point. Um, uh, you know, especially as like young, uh, like young black pre transition like boy, like watching that, it was deeply like, of course, like my big the the big anime. Yeah. Um, and like I just couldn't escape at that point. And I've just always been here in nerd stuff. Uh, I was a big comic book kid really early on. X Men, of course, grabbed me, uh, yeah. and then the early Spider Man movies, all of that. So I've I've just always been here. Uh, I've never <laughs> left being a nerd. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, I mean, I think the the Dragon Ball Z, you know, that's such a crazy thing. When I was a kid, that was like the first anime that I ever got to watch. Uh, and I didn't watch it at home. I was like, you know, I had to go to a friend's house cause they, I didn't have cable. And I just remember, um, I think it's just like that power fantasy, right. Of just like, everybody's yoked. Like Gohan is a <laughs> fucking 10 year old kid and just jacked out of his mind beating up adults. Um, 
and yeah, it's just so good. Yeah, I was always a big Gohan fan in particular too because Me too. Of how like meek and like sweet hearted he was, and it was always one of those like he didn't want to fight. It was just like all right, stuff would happen, you have to. And I always like, yeah, that's how it like feels sometimes, just being like the meek little kid who's like, if I have to, I guess, and like. <laughs> I always really love that. Um, yeah. Of course, like all the video games, I mm-hmm. have like very fond memories of playing those with my dad, especially yeah. like the old fighter fighters. And uh, I got very good at beating him very quickly, like at a very young <laughs> age. So it always became a new challenge of what like what handicaps can I put in place to make it harder for me? So he had a, f- a fair chance yeah. where I'd like play the most underpowered character. So normally Mr. <laughs> Satan. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, while he'd play like Super Saiyan 4 Gogeta or anything like that was always a really fun like test that we'd enjoy doing. Yeah. Was that like the Dragon Ball Z Budokai days? Uh, yeah. Yep. Budokai yeah. and then Tenkaichi 3 we also would go uh, go a few rounds back and forth in. Yeah. Budokai was such a good game. Um, so much. <laughs> I tried to get my dad to play games when I was younger and he like we tried to play halo and he like couldn't figure out how to move and got motion sickness and he was like i'm sorry like you're just gonna have to do it oh no like yeah. i i was always a fighting game kid like yeah growing up i was deeply like in the dying days of arcades and arcade rat i used to mm-hmm. play like a ton of like the old x-men beat em up and uh marvel vs. capcom 2 on cabs as like yeah. a three or four year old because my mom would like because like we go to the mall together um mm-hmm. So, like, I got really into fighting games really early. So that was always the one that I, like, my dad at least knew those. Because he's like, ah, I was around for Street Fighter. So he was able to, like, at least play those. Not well, but he he at least knew those ones going in. Yeah, that's awesome. Did you you have siblings, too, or? Oh, too many. Uh, I love them. (laughs) I I love them dearly. Um, (laughs) I am the, on my mom's side, I am the oldest of five. And on my dad's side, I'm the second youngest of five. Um, yes. So yeah, that's a lot. (laughs) Yes. So, uh, I was always the, the eldest kid whenever like doing anything with my mom's side of the family. Yeah. Um, and then like every time with my dad, it's always just like, Oh, I'm one of the babies just kind of (laughs) here. You're stuck in that middle right there. Yeah. That's the worst. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. No, that's interesting. Um, yeah. When did you, when did you first get introduced to TTRPGs then? um college uh okay. i started i was in college in uh, 2015 which simultaneously feels not that long ago and too long ago um yeah. time isn't real yeah it really isn't <laughs> um i had managed to i made a friend group um like and we we're all still like best friends now but mm. uh that was the first i like i knew of D um and i was always like i'd, I'd make jokes D D's expense because like that was always what the like the nerdiest kids played. Like I, I yeah, played video sure. and I played at least I wasn't playing D and D. So then eventually, of course, I got I started playing D and D. And we played that in college, and that was like the first time I like did anything like that. And uh, I always enjoyed character creators and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So getting to like, hey, this character just looks one to one like me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't have to worry about like where video games have like the three black hairstyles. This I can, yeah. I can just do this myself. Um, yeah. Still, and, Elden yeah. Ring still doesn't have black hairstyles. Oh, I know. Ooh, can't talk about that too loud. Elden Ring fans <laughs> will attack you. Uh, <laughs> um, but I just like started. I, I the first character I played was a half elf wizard necromancer who was mm. just like, I want to make dancing skeletons. I want to create a like a. A necromantic circus. 
Um, yeah. And that was like my just a re- weird concept. And from there, I just like really loved the game. Um, a lot of people always talk about like their very first time when they're like spending each day, like can't wait for the next session, just thinking about it, hyper fixating it on it all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was absolutely the same way. And um, yeah. yeah, at some point it, it was also, I, I, I owe it so much in terms of also like discovering more about myself, like identity wise, gender wise. Yeah. Um, and like truly like in, incredible. Um, and then as uh, like, I got real into the adventure zone, uh, the, the first uh, arc uh, Taz balance, which made me like care a lot more about like storytelling. In fact, I have, the balance bureau balance tattoo on my wrist this is my first like my first one of eight now yeah. um and like it got me caring a lot about storytelling in the tabletop space and then eventually i started gming on my own and at that point i just kept going until i started doing this semi-professionally now i guess <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it's you you couldn't have picked a better spot than transplaner uh which is absolutely just one of the greatest shows out there it uh that's the one that i was always like i'd be really cool to guest on there one day and that that one always felt like a weird dream um and i I, that one still feels like a dream honestly especially because the way it happened um because it started off as uh like i want to say it was the summer there was the uh bimpok shoot your shot event in Mm -hmm. which like a bunch of people on twitter like a lot of uh, bimpok people in the space were like hey this is like the goals i would like to do in tabletop stuff eventually yeah. And then Transplaner made an event out of that, grabbed a bunch of creators who were like, have posted under that and were like, hey, are you down to do a session with us? Um, and like did a bunch of different, like four different miniseries based on all of the, at the time, current main cast. Yeah. And I happened to do one with, with C, um, mm. Pie Shop Art on yeah. Twitter. Um, and it just kept rolling from there. They're like, well, we really liked you guys. So we're going to do like a little mini series. And then like halfway through the mini series on the sly, they're like, hey, you guys want to be main cast material? It's like, and we were up, like, no questions. Yeah. Um, and like, it was a fun secret we got to hold on to for like two months before the rest of the, like everyone else knew. And it made us so like, it felt so cool and unreal. And like the response to like just all of where we're at currently and like the current arcs and the fact people are like, oh, still super excited to see us. Yeah. But despite starting from a miniseries feels like unreal. Yeah. That is so cool. Yeah, I mean, I get it though. Like, I'm I'm not even trans, and I would love to be on Transplaner. So, it's Uh, it's a good time. Connie is an incredible GM. Yes, the performance and the the energy that goes into it's just you can feel it, and I love it. Yeah. Also, now that we do editing music, (laughs) yeah, it's it's a lot. It's I mean, but it's so it's so cool. It shows like, I think what's great about that show is that it shows what can happen when you like put just a lot of love and passion into something. Yeah. Um, you know, the fact that Connie has like lore drops from people donate a certain amount. Yes. Uh, and it's, and it's like done, you know what I mean? Like it, and just the community around it and everything else. Like, uh, I certainly feel honored to like even be a part of the community, uh, in the way that I am. And, um, but yeah, I absolutely just love what it does for people in general. Cause I think it's just so special to create oh, a safe yeah. place for, you know, for folks who, who can relate to that or, or who are trans or whatever it is. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think it's a, it's a good show that I think if you're someone who's ever felt like in the margins in any capacity, mm-hmm. you're going to feel it. And it's just really cool to see that much. I think that the drive to be seen 
I think that's a yeah. great way of describing like the passion behind it. And and this is even just as someone who was a fan for a while, yeah. um, you could always feel like Connie, like I was someone who was doing a lot of work in the space before I started doing transplanter stuff and Connie's work ethic terrifies me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, sure. Oh, Oh, I'll do four shows in a week. You're doing how many and you're yeah. writing and working on a whole other system and terror scares me to my core. And yeah, and does like pro DMing for people and like <laughs> writes yeah. scripts. Oh, yeah, it's insane. It is so much, but I mean, it, it, yeah, it, it just goes to show like you know what's what's there um, if you're willing to do it and and get out there and put yourself out there. Um, I am curious in, in that regard if you're willing to talk about it. Like uh, you talked about D and D kind of helping with uh, your identity. Was that like did you transition before playing? Oh, oh no, I. Oh yeah, I would love to talk about this. I like talking about this a lot, actually. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I was I, still in. I, I always describe it as my boy era because, like, mm. it, it makes me giggle a little bit, and I'm not like I, I don't have it, the worst sense of like trauma associated with like not being like free transition <laughs> life. Yeah. Um. But no, I was 2015. I was still a a I was a 20 year old boy in college. Um. Yeah. I and. Or, I think I was even younger than that. Uh, oh, God, I was 19. Uh, yeah. I was like barely just turned 19. Anyway, um, I was just like deeply still cis. Um, at the time, like my queer or like my friend group, we were all like, you know, like baby queer. Um, mm. Like everyone there was like, you know, we were all like either pan or bi. Uh, we had like a couple of friends who were like still cishet. Um I say still because that's fun part of this story. Um, (laughs) And like at the time, like we were still just like really hadn't explored a ton of who we were as people yet. And for me personally, tabletops gave me a lot of range of uh, I've always, I've always loved elves in particular. There was something Mm -hmm. about elves. that was always these uh, despite how they present uh, aesthetically, they're always like seen as ethereal and beautiful and like, yeah, even like male elves would always look very just like beautiful in that way. And it was the same way with like dwarves are always tied to sort of a ruggedness regardless of it's a male dwarf and stuff like Like that. Always had like like, an androgyny to them. Yeah. And like dwarves and stuff like that always like hit in that way of like, there's the, the androgyny isn't related to them being uh, men or women or anything in between, but just related to that's how they are. And I always Mm -hmm. loved that. That's just how they present aesthetically. So I think uh, I used to become a running joke in my friend group that I play an elf because I think my first like four characters were all (laughs) some degree of elf. I think I was just running the gamut of like, okay, I'm going to do half elf. Let's try a high elf, a wood elf. Uh, Like, and I just went through that for a first few years. Um, And I think it was about my third character. I played a celestial warlock named Tyrone, uh, who was very much high, just high energy high femme uh Mm. still masculine leaning but like still like the most androgynous character at the time i'd played and they were also like a big performer and it was just it let me lean more into the the aspects of myself that i've always enjoyed but never really got a chance to express anywhere like i liked performing in music i i was a musician all throughout high school and like initially was going to do in college so i got to lean into making art making music being more flamboyant and like a way that was really like at, at the time my first sense of like any sort of gender euphoria yeah um 
And as I went on and like explored with new character concepts and designs and main characters who leaned more into androgyny, eventually making chains links and everything. Um, at the same time, I was also, my friend group was also getting progressively more, you know, queer, realizing more about themselves too. Uh, mm-hmm. I like half of that group, like I think most of that group has a they in those pronouns now. Uh, and I, <laughs> <laughs> like, and we, we all laugh about this because it is really funny. Like we all just slowly, I think helped make each other feel more accepted, comfortable and more willing to be out there. Um, yeah. So like my characters just would slowly get more and more trans as I would also slowly get more and more trans. I met my partners who were also like, um, I, I love you. You're deeply trans. Um, like this is not things that cis men say. And I was like, Oh, cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and eventually I got there and like it, even, even after transitioning and like being non-binary for so long. And I, I, yeah. I still present a non-binary woman. Um, I still have a lot. It took me a lot of time to even play a character who was still like a girl or leaned into femininity in that way. And yeah. like, uh, I think the first time I ever did was like playing thirsty sword lesbians, which mm. was great. And it gave me a time for like, okay, I'm playing this with an all like, or with a mostly like femme space. I I'm going to take the leap and be risky enough to try just, yeah, going full girl for once. And it was great. And like, helped me feel just really a lot more comfortable in that femininity and slowly and surely I've been unpacking more and more of it. And like I now, most of the games I play are with characters who are uh, women. I have a few just characters who are strictly just non-binary in the most genderless sense. And that's great. And I love them like gentle on transplaner, but yeah. like it, it's nice to play just a girl. <laughs> Cause it was like hmm. always the thing of like, Oh, I always like love these types of characters. And I get to play like, any of the mean girls from like old cartoons that I really loved and stuff like that playing to yeah. old familiar archetypes. I was like, I love those, but I can't play them for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's really cool. And I thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I think it's, um, it's, it's one of those special things that, about TTRPGs where you have so much freedom when it comes to cre- character creation that you can really lean into stuff that you would never um, be able to do in, in another space. Right. Like, you know, playing a, uh, a video game, you know, you don't have that opportunity. Um, you're still stuck within the restraints of the game itself. And so, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess like in a fighting game, you could play like oh, a female character, but it's, I'm, I'm sure it's probably not the same thing as, as creating oh, something that yeah, you can exactly. fall in love with. Yeah. And yeah. And like, even then it's in, and it's almost like a fun type of like reclaiming slash getting to like, like relive a part of me that I always super love where it's like, I get to lean into these archetypes, but with way more nuance and realization because the fighting game is still meant to be mechanics first and story is often very secondary. Whereas if I make a tabletop character who's like heavily inspired by, let's say Chun-Li or soccer from street fighter, then Mm -hmm. I get to lean into those aspects and like expand on that. And it's not only is it like make often make for very interesting and fun characters that make fun stories, but it also is like some pretty good gender, honestly. Um, yeah. I, I play masks and superhero games a lot. I am a huge mm-hmm. superhero fan. Yeah. Um, so getting to play like a lot of very punk, like teen girls and playing a lot of punk girls who are like trying to figure out who they are in terms of like their presentation, their ideology, whether or not they are like feminine enough or they fit in is always it's really fun for me um, because yeah. like, those are the things I felt, but you know, couldn't really deal with that in high school. It took me a while <laughs> to catch up. 
<laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. High school's a disaster. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that's, that's really cool. It's, it's such a great thing, you know, to be able to kind of express those stories. And, um, I haven't been able to check them out yet, but I know you've written games and stuff like that. Like, do you oh, yeah. kind of design towards that direction as well? Of, um, I, I, my game design sensibilities are. I, I often will take a concept that I've thought about uh, a way too much, or stuff that I used to dream about as a kid, and like write because mm-hmm. I'm also a poet. Uh, I'm deeply pretentious, um, <laughs> so I often will take the concepts that would always like enrapture me as a kid and like make them more manifest. Um, they often lean a bit more, not dark as in like edgy or gritty, but they often yeah. are leaning into heavier concepts. And yeah. because I like to think about heavier concepts a lot. Um, yeah. One of my favorite shows growing up was uh, Evangelion. Uh, it is still, I watch End of Ava as like a comfort movie. I will not unpack <laughs> this today. Um, <laughs> but like, it's one of those things that I've always liked thinking about stuff like death and like what comes after it. And that yeah. really shaped a lot of my my writing stuff. So uh, the game that I go back to the most is called When the Sun Dies. Mm-hmm. And it is uh, a mix of my my love of just pure vibes and like a hard role play. And yeah. just like the a very chill sense of the world ending. The core concept is the world ends in three days, but every but everyone's known it was going to end for like a year. So there's okay. no surprise. There's no panic. Everyone is just sort of been chilling and thinking about it for a while i mean like you don't really have to worry about your job if you know the world's gonna end in a year stuff like that um it was mixed it it was a concept that i also like i used to think about the sun exploding a lot as a kid in high school because i don't know high school kids are weird (laughs) um but i used to like have like just write about it and like have weird dreams about it as a kid um and i take that combine it with like some of my favorite just aesthetic vibes um there it's what is it seeking a friend for the end of a world was a movie that i like i never even saw the movie but just like that title would always stick in my head um Mm -hmm. and i like a lot of songs that have very like sort of wispy like melancholy to them i I would just i like listen to a song once on the on a drive home from work it was like i need to write this now Mm -hmm. um and i started like working out the core conceit i had like one good day of hyper fixating and i sat and wrote it down and it's one of my favorite things I've ever written from a it, game rules wise, incredibly simple mechanics. It is roll one D six when you're facing uh, any sort of situation or challenge that you think would be out of your normal bounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, five and six are success. Two and three are complicated one, one and two failure um, yeah. or what, you know, um, but like the, the joy from it comes from people. It, it fits really nicely into a three act structure uh, since it's three days. And yeah. it's, it gives some really fun, like, ways of people have framed what the end of the world looks like for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people go very apocalypse and go, like, you know, most of society is pretty, like, gone or chill. I've yeah. done very small town where, like, yeah, most some people went back home to the small town to visit. So it essentially felt like a, a group of friends hanging out for, like, one last weekend. Yeah. I've done one where things went like the the amount of people was like incredibly high and it was things were just kind of progressing as normal and i find it really interesting especially um because i've i've played a version of this uh, i've like facilitated and gm'd a version of this game where it was all comedy 
And that was really fascinating because I never wrote this game with intention of like people to have like a goofy time with the entire part. But it was really nice to see people playing like the end of the world in a way where like it ended on like someone getting pranked in, I think, iced with the Smirnoff ice. And it really (laughs) made me laugh. And like that was the way they wanted to go. And Uh, I was like, you know what? Yeah, that is that is like really good. Uh, That is like a really fun way to handle the end of the world. Um, Yeah. I've had like the fun, like boohoo crying sessions where everyone is a mm. mess at the end. And that's also great. It's, it's good for road trip stories. I, it's a game that I'm really more than like, more than writing it. I love seeing the stories that people have done with it. Yeah. Um, I like to go back and like, try to be like, Hey, does anyone want to play this at some point? Just to see how people will make it. How, like there's, there's a mix of people who like to do high romance and like, will they won't they's and they tragically will at the last minute. <laughs> it's, it leans into drama and I love drama as a, as a role player. Yeah, for sure. How long did it take for you to like, I guess, when did you get exposed to narrative games as opposed to just D and D that I'm trying to think because when it like, I, I followed a pretty solid through line of, I had heard about D and D Pathfinder. Of course you, yeah. you hear about one then the other, like immediately after um, and then I started hearing about Monster of the Week and Powered by the Apocalypse mm. games. Yeah. Um, just through the Adventure Zone. The next thing they did was Monster of the Week. And I was like, oh, this game sounds really fun. And like, I was trying to get dip my toes into GMing. So I did. Mm. And I took a lot of the stuff I saw from there with the way they handled narrative design. The the, the way that uh, Powered by the Apocalypse games do failing forward instead of just a hard to know made yeah. me very excited. Um. And then I think it was Friends at the Table. Yeah, it was Friends at the Table, which is another, like, one of my my personal favorite, like, actual play podcasts to listen to. Yeah. Um, it's just, I, I'm a sucker for mechs, and the season I, like, joined was uh, nothing, the season, like, I started listening on was nothing but mechs and, like, a lot of political drama and stuff, and I, I love those things. And they had played a GMless, very story-heavy game called Kingdom, which was just, you are arguing about how to run like a, a society politically and mm-hmm. i was enraptured by that i loved it it was just it was just politics talk for so long and i was like this is not there's barely any <laughs> dice here i would like to make a game like this and that's sort of what got me down the path of looking at non or like not even non-traditional but story and rp heavy games stuff that yeah. gmless stuff um and then, like, eventually, as I started getting more in the space, I also just started meeting and working with a lot of really cool creators who had also done their own things. Like, oh, I'm looking at your stuff, and I'm inspired by it. And, mm-hmm. like, just that really beautiful thing of inspiring each other back and forth is really fun. Yeah, for sure. That's, yeah, that's one of the things that's been, like, just so wild and exciting about being in this space is, like, meeting a bunch of incredibly talented people who are just like, yeah, I just, you know, popped out six games last month and you're like how this is uh, that's amazing cj scholastic <laughs> yeah, dragon CJ. yeah cj is a, uh, a good friend of mine um yeah. uh i i love them so much i will never tell them they i'll let i'll say it on the audio for them they, um they listen to the show and they talked about I you there <laughs> yeah exactly i knew they would and i knew they did um yeah, yeah cj is great and we sort of like met in like the same tabletop group and yeah. Uh, like I, I look to CJ for inspiration the same way they look at my work 
and we do a lot of talking back and forth about like, hey, here's this here's this idea of my game. And CJ, who makes way more games than me, I get a new a new game draft probably once a month at minimum at this point. <laughs> yeah. Um but like getting to work in that space and that type of environment where it is a bunch of people who are just coolly bouncing off ideas back and forth. I, I've described it before as like this feels like a fun new golden age where there's a lot of weird creativity that's just happening by yeah. creators who have never had a chance to get their voices out there. Mm-hmm. And it makes me so glad to be a part of it during this time, honestly. Yeah, for sure. I uh, When I was making, I, I've only made one game so far um, and it's a detective game. And I, I messaged um, Lexi, Black Girl Mage on Twitter. Oh yeah, I love and Lexi. <laughs> when, as I was making it, I was like, hey, um, so if you were going to play a game where you had to investigate some stuff, would you find it helpful to have a table for this? And she's like, mm, yeah, I like tables. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll get back to you. Yeah. <laughs> and came back and I was like, all right, cool. Here's the game. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's just amazing to like, one, just have so many people, like you said, like we are in this kind of golden age, but also having so many people of marginalized uh, ethnicities and genders and just like coming together. Um, in a way that we can never really come together before, uh, and like, you know, create, inspire, collaborate, you know, all that stuff is just so amazing. And like, I I think that's a universal feeling, or at least a very common feeling of like, Mm -hmm. uh, I came from, you know, one of those places where like, I was one of the like six black people, you knew, uh, in terms of school. So like a lot of my time was always being like the one person of color in a room, um, and having that sort of mix when you like a bunch of people who are all used to that feeling finally getting to be around uh just an unabashed amount of other like marginalized people in any way yeah. always feels really good it's um like it, it always I've, I've described it as feeling like coming home and just like hanging out with family mm-hmm. um whether that be like i've had a rough day i'm gonna hop on a voice call with like four of my friends here in the space and yeah. you know it's fun to just whether it's make games or just tell jokes or just rant. I remember one day, um, if you know the like the Twitch channel Salty Bet, um, mm-hmm. it is it has been around for a, a while, and it's just like here's these like old like these custom made rips of fighting game sprites, and no one's playing them. You just bet on who do you think will win, and like one day we just sat and watched Salty Bet for like an hour, just getting incredibly <laughs> hype at like the different matches and just guessing and betting and it was such yeah. a fun time and like stuff like that it's like oh i found just a group of very weird marginalized people like me and mm. it feels healing honestly for the soul because it's yeah. really easy to feel alone just out there in the space sometimes um yeah. especially before finding this community oh for sure I mean, the amount of times that I've talked to people and uh, for sure, obviously having my own experiences, but like talking to other folks who've been like, oh yeah, I didn't realize this thing until I like got into this space or um, I never had this feeling until I got into this space or, you know what I mean? Whatever it is, like joining a, a group of some kind and feeling like, you know, immediately welcomed and excited and having like the same references for stuff and being excited, yeah. excited about the same things like that. It is so huge because, um, yeah, I mean, some folks for sure, you know, grew up around a ton of other people like them, whether that was, you know, uh, black, Hispanic, whatever. Um, but he, there are a lot of us like like you and myself that we didn't grow up around a lot of other people yeah, like us. And, and like, uh, 
that's difficult. Yeah. And it's one of those things that it's like now, now that I have this it's so hard to think about like how much time I didn't have like this sort of space or support uh, and even just having things like event channels where it's like, hey, I'm not overreacting to this thing. And then you describe yeah. a scenario like, oh, no, that's a super, you are super justified. You are in the right. Yeah. It's like, okay, cool, 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 cool. Yeah. And yeah. like all, stuff like that, just it, big and small ways of showing community with each other. Whether yeah. that's, hey, we're going to watch a movie and talk about it. Or with with the most recent like Disney and Pixar movies coming out, whether that be in Kanto mm-hmm. or Turning Red. And like everyone in the space being like, hey, we're going to watch these. And these are all movies where generational trauma is a major theme and like written with like the lens of people of color. And it's a very healing for us to all kind of share and talk about our own experiences with stuff like that. And like finding that sort of space in within the tabletop community is really helpful just for just so much of just day to day living. Yeah, for sure. Um, One of the things I wanted to talk to you about um, you did a, one of like, I forget the exact title of it, but it's like the professor talks that they do on the transplanter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you talked about gaming and being on the spectrum. Yeah. Uh, And playing with neurodivergence. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, I mean, that was a very fun thing for me to listen to, um, because, that is uh, something that I'm kind of processing now as a 33-year-old adult. And um, one thing I've noticed, so I we talked, I asked the question about like eye contact and both of us, I've watched us do it. Like we both like still look away as we're talking to each other on a screen, even though we're not actually making eye contact, which is totally fine. Um, but the other thing I was curious about, like you're the first person I've ever seen that didn't have both headphones on their ear. Mm-hmm. Is that, for you, is that like a sensory thing? Yes. Uh, so I only like for pretty much any show I'm on, unless it is causing like a bad amount of audio bleed, I always keep only one headphone on. I am very prone to sensory overload. Um, and especially cause I'm not playing any music or anything right now. Uh, I, I just have the one going. Um, I like to make sure I can hear what's going on just around me. It's, it's, it's honestly like a bit of a safety thing just for myself. Um, and I didn't realize this wasn't universal. So, oops, I've learned something <laughs> new today. <laughs> I, it's, I mean, I've done, I'm this, this, the, the exact same reasons that you just talked about are the same for me. And I never really thought about it until I watched, uh, you and I was like, ah, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah I, maybe this is connected. If you watch li- like at literally anything I'm on, on camera, I am always one headphone, just like slightly off my ear. Enough yeah. that I can still hear from it, but uh, yeah. it it is just really nice to make sure I can hear the outs make make sure I can hear the outside air around me. Um, yeah, I and I am a person who is like I said, very prone to like getting overloaded, uh, sen- like with sensory stuff, and I always keep mm-hmm. one headphone in minimum whenever I go anywhere. Um, yeah, just like outside of my house, whether that be at work, like sh- grocery shopping. Um, if I don't, I'm prone to getting overwhelmed very fast. Yeah. Um, it's so something yeah. like, I didn't, I didn't really think about this, uh, until recently, but like when I was in college, that was probably the hardest time of my life. Cause I was kind of in a different state. I was having a hard time. I went from like being in a diverse, but still not a lot of black people state to being in a, the South, uh, in Kentucky and dealing with all of that and just away from like everybody I knew. And even though I'm an introvert, it still was hard. Oh Yeah. 
And I, 90% of the time that I was like walking around or doing anything, if I didn't have to, I had headphones in at least one, if not two. And even when people talk to me, I would still be listening to music or something. Yeah, no, just I, I was just like, it, it was low. like, yeah, it kind of <laughs> just helped me deal. And yeah, I never really thought about that until now. So it's like, it's interesting, you know, how those things kind of play out and come back. And yeah, you know. it, yeah, no. As in speaking as like, I, I am someone who is, uh, has, uh, autism and ADHD. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I, there's a lot of little stuff that goes into pretty much any day to day function, uh, especially yeah. as like, someone who also has to like perform and stay active and sit still on a camera. And it's a lot. Um, I am currently (laughs) reveal I've been playing with cards and like playing cards (laughs) the entire time I've been sitting here because it's keeping my hands idle or my hands active in a way that I just need. And there's a lot of little stuff and they also don't make a lot of noise. Um, And it's a lot of little things like little tricks like that, that help get me like through just most of doing stuff. I keep at my job. I keep, little stem toys so if i'm not actively like working on a keyboard or typing i have something to do when i'm having conversations Mm -hmm. um unless i'm actively like talking to my boss uh and not even my boss my boss's bosses the ones who wouldn't understand why i have headphones in Uh, (laughs) (laughs) i will always keep at least a little bit music play uh playing um it you know podcasts are very much a deeply at home activity because if i'm out of the house then too much to focus on at once unless i'm driving Like it, it also does shape a lot of how I like handle characters and everything. Yeah. All of my characters are very much someone who is, are deeply neurodivergent, whether that be having specific hyperfixations that they will, if given the opportunity to will reference and get very excited or, <laughs> you know, having issues with general communication or mentioning certain habits and hobbies they tend to do, whether that be fidgeting or anything like that. Um, And I I really enjoy doing that as a as a performer for visibility reasons. I I like to make sure people can feel seen. Um, Yeah, it's you never realize the thing you're doing is universal until you hear someone else say, hey, I also do this. And then it you feel a little (laughs) bit less alone. It's one of the reasons why, you know, I create in this space. And sometimes it is exhausting, especially on uh, Mm -hmm. when I do TikToks, because People on TikTok don't understand I like do D and D stuff professionally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Yeah. I, it's real. It that is a, a a topic all its own. If you do not mind me just pivoting. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the other places I I do a lot besides just streaming and writing is I also do like almost daily TikTok videos. I I've gotten better about recording them in bulk. Um, that cover a variety of things. Sometimes it's just like, hey, I'm pretty, look at me, which to be fair is a decent <laughs> amount of what I do on Twitter too. Uh, or it's, you know, I'm going to talk about uh, an experience about being trans or being neurodivergent. Uh, but yeah. a lot of it, and especially what I started was about D&D. And that's always such a particular thing of like, you, you get a, a variety of people with a variety of experience of D&D. Uh, yeah. You get people who've only ever experienced just as someone who has watched shows whether that be big shows or small shows, people have only experienced D&D, like, visually in, like, like on an audit, like auditory sense. Yeah. Um, or as there are people who have played it a little bit, but they don't play professionally. Uh, and then there's, like, the occasional professional person who's, like, on there. And then there's the big celebrities in D&D who are, like, on there, and they just kind of make videos for fun. Um, yeah. So when I talk about here are ideas on how you can do writing or how you can approach world building, 
and you get a wide variety of examples or honestly when i'm complaining about like hey D has some problems and then so it's like well you can just homebrew it and i always appreciate the energy i yeah. i appreciate the energy of you can hope <laughs> i didn't ask for tips yeah <laughs> and that's yeah. always a fun one where it's like mm, i know you mean well i'm not gonna not gonna get mad mm-hmm. um i i've only gotten upset at like one person who told me that i was uh, criticizing without knowing what I was talking about, and I should make a podcast. Mm. That person, I did light up. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, you clearly, you just said you have, you don't know what I do. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, I have a TikTok, and I use it just to literally just update the same trailer that, or upload the same trailer that I upload to everything else. Um, but like, I. I've considered it multiple times of like actually making a video and like talking with my stupid face. But like, I, I just don't, I just, it gives me so much anxiety. It's Um, a lot, honestly. Yeah. And I'm a pretty like non-confrontational person too. So like, I already know it's inevitable, right? I'm a black man on the internet. Like somebody's going to speak up and say something stupid. Um, And especially if it's, I have a problem with a thing. Yes. And even if it's not a like and it's it doesn't even have to be a like scathing like critique. It can be I think this thing could be better. I yeah. love I love playing monks in D&D. Do I also think they're deeply orientalist? Yes. Have yeah. I said that monks could be made a little bit less yikesy and people be like, <laughs> "Well, you could just homebrew it or do" and it's like that my issue is not that the that I I, I know how to fix the monk the issue yeah. is it was built like that. Yeah. Um, and that the issue is sort the of company thing. that made it still lets it be this way after yes. 40 years or whatever. Exactly. Um, and it, it that issue, it, it actually led me to pivoting away from making tabletop stuff for a while, mm. especially D&D related for a while. Because I yeah. was just burned out of having to argue. Um, yeah. It was either... Letting that it was either arguing or letting that sort of comment stand. It's like, no, I want to tell you why you're wrong. Um, I, I, I am an Aquarius and I like to argue, uh, <laughs> and I like to argue when I know I'm right, which means uh, it makes it harder for me to just let go of a fight. Um, yeah. And like you know, in this space, it's like, no, I, I'm not just a person who's saying words. I, I do shows. I, I write. I've been in. I've written and helped sensitivity read tabletop stuff in books. My name is, I have credits, you know? And it's one of those things where it's like, I I understand you're coming from a place of like, well-meaning of, well, it's not that big of a deal, but no, that's how stuff like that permeates and like exist and why it was a problem for so long. It, you should speak up against it. And some days you just don't have that energy, especially if you talk about big shows in the space uh, critical role. <laughs> yeah. Minor critiques turn into a thousand very, Ugh. very angry people um, telling me like, oh no, you, you just don't get it. They're friends at a table. They're not a, a big company. And it's like, no, they're a company and they can be critiqued as such. And that doesn't make the show bad. I don't have any beef with the show. Uh, well, I don't, <laughs> you know, I, but like, yeah. you know, I don't have any beef with anyone enjoying the show for what it is. Like, that's yeah. totally fine. But that doesn't mean I can't also critique any company. If Transplanter yeah. did an uh oh, critique us. That is that is what uh, we are a show. We are a business. We are made for consumption. You can mm-hmm. 
dislike a thing we do and have a valid critique. That is yeah. part of it. Yeah. It's uh I mean the only time I've ever had like I've never had a, a tweet go viral, but the only time I've ever had something hit like a hundred likes was a reply to somebody and my reply was it turns me off when big games have no POCs in the artwork. Oh yeah. And mostly positive reception. And then yeah. a couple of people being like uh calling me a clown that I was trying to post stuff for clout blocked. Yeah. Um yeah. Like, well, how come we can't just like? What if it was a world full of humans who lived underground for a million years and they never saw the sun? So oh they were all, like, yeah, you're really gonna gymnastics. like work that hard to justify? And like the, the day of, of recording all. this, there there's just the announced the new D and D book that has like a thirteen new adventures and everything, all written by POCs. Yeah, uh, just and under the comments, you get a lot of that same thing of. Mm-hmm this is just being made for clout or I mean, yeah. I don't care about, you know, I only care about writing, um, which is clearly <laughs> says you, you don't because like right. e- even, even to like separate, you know, like race or anything, what you're saying is I don't care. If, like, I don't care about having writers with other backgrounds or experiences. Yeah. Y- like even like out forgetting just the general humanity of it. Mm-hmm. you're saying i don't care about stories that could potentially be different because of different perspectives and that just means you don't care about writing um yeah. Yeah. and like like that's that just means you don't care about quality um or like having any sort of variety or change in your life which is clear by the comment you made on a tweet about having pocs doing a thing um but like it's it permeates to such a thing of like this feels like a, my existence feels like a challenge to people mm-hmm. um you know, this March is International Women's Month and International Women's Day was a thing that happened. Mm. And I had a post uh, get semi, like not viral, but I had a post go uh, hit two different communities at once. Yeah. Of I, like, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Of like, oh, I exist as a non binary trans woman. And I had most people go, yeah, hell yeah, cool. Mm. And I was like, yeah, great. Uh, and then a very vocal, but very like few amount of people. Just going like, no, <laughs> um, and it's such a wild thing. It's like for them to do that, I wasn't tag and tag anybody. I did a hashtag, and that means you went out of your way to to find this negativity. And like at the core of it, that's so much of what it is. Of I need you to know that I don't like what you're doing, and mm-hmm. I I don't care. You're gonna dislike me either way. That's judging by who you are as a person. That's fine. Uh, but you clearly want to yell to the world like, hey, look at how much I don't like you. And that yeah. just means you want attention, honey. And that's go sit down. Go away from me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it uh, it's such a bizarre thing. I have I have a really hard time with Twitter. And by that, I mean, I, I mostly hate it. Um, uh, I yeah, <laughs> I, I respect that. I've been on Twitter for <laughs> since uh, 13 years. Um, yeah. the mental cost is steep. Uh, I've been there since I was 13. <laughs> oh my, oh God. Anyway. Yeah. Um, I think it's been like 14 or 15 years now since oof. I even had a Facebook and I didn't get a Twitter until literally this past summer when I started this podcast. Yeah. And, um, um, it is, it is mostly a terrible website. It has let me, mm-hmm. uh, like meet a lot of really cool people. And like, I, I, I do think for me, I've curated it so that it's better than it is worse. Yeah, but like that took a lot of a lot of effort and a lot of years, and eventually like finding the tabletop space and like a lot of queer spaces for that to be 
not miserable. Um, And I, back in like 2016, I got like doxxed by like Trump supporters. And like, that was a weird Mm -hmm. thing that like for like a week, I nonstop people were just going out of like, you know, you don't have a dad, like, ha, really funny. I get it. I'm black. Ha. You've what this is, you know, and all that. And it was one of those things that like, then I was like a, I was a 20 year old kid or however old I was. And like, just deeply not confrontational in that way. Um, in in the year since I have now gained a decent amount of, uh, you know, not popularity, but I, you know, I'm known in this space. People like, and respect the work I do and who I am as a person. And I've, made conscious efforts to be a good person in the space. Um, so now when people talk trash, I have reached the point where I'm like, no, I'm not going to stand for it. And I'm like willing to fight it. But like, yeah, it's the good and bad of like building community and on online spaces is you will have so many more positive interactions, but those negative ones will sit with you for so much longer. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've just learned to be like very quick with the block. I respect like, you. I'm. I just don't even. I'm bad about it. I'm so bad <laughs> about it. Because I just like I don't have time for that. I don't want to give you like I I have my family at home and like my friends. Like I I would much rather give them all of the positive energy I have than let you drain any fucking little bit of it. And nice. So, yeah. um, <laughs> That's I, me. But like it's it's it is tough sometimes. I like to fight, which is a problem. <laughs> I, I like I like an argument, especially when it's. I like to get people in a point in an argument when they let the mask slip. And that is yeah. a, that is a toxic trait of mine. Um, yeah. And like, in some days it is like, I, I remember once someone argued with me about tabletops and diversity for the millionth time. And they eventually got down to their core of their argument was the world is like a miserable place and a dark place. So I was like, Oh, okay. I figured out what's the, the issue with you is you are someone who was like really, really sad. And that's a tragedy. And I hope you find peace one day. And I think yeah. I kind of left them at that point, <laughs> but like, it was really like, for, it was a solid like hour of me just like probing a little like, Hmm, why do you think this way? <laughs> and like, on occasion, I have gotten the thing of like, someone has messaged me back. Hey, I was super out of line what I said. And those ones are always fun. They're, they very rarely happen. Most of yeah. the time to someone just like, you know, tweeting from a sock puppet account or whatever. Right. But like on, on occasion, the good, you get good ones like that. Um, the positive end of this is when I make a TikTok about like a tabletop game and it inspires like, cause that TikTok is an app that goes, that ain't range is so young. When I hear mm-hmm. like a 14 year old, like, Oh, I'm trying this game now. Like I've heard of this from you. And like uh, yeah. one kid wants, like, oh, I'm going to try to build like a tabletop team and like some friends. It's like, and I told them, all right, comment, return to this video and comment on it when it happens. And it took like yeah. four months, but they did. And I was like, I'm so proud of you. Like stuff like that's <laughs> the, the good side. It's the exact opposite end of the spectrum that makes it worth yeah. it for me. Um, yeah, for sure. I, it's like you said, I mean, you really got to curate the space. Like I don't have a ton of followers, but I have a lot of people that really care about the work that I've done and, yeah. um, and my show and stuff. And like anytime, like I'm still surprised when people are just like, oh yeah, like recommend my show or just oh, like yeah. say something super nice. And I'm like, I don't want <laughs> I just do same. Thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I am. I to the same way. Whenever anyone's like, "Oh, like," whenever I hear my name, uh, like mentioned, like of a mind in my business, someone's like, "Hey, what's the person you recommend?" And my name shows up in a conversation. I'm like, um, why? <laughs> why me though? Like, there's a yeah. lot of really cool people. Are you sure me? And like, yeah. uh, I I think that's one of the nice things. Like, anxiety sucks. 
but it, it means that I will never grow too arrogant. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I will always be deeply humbled by the fact anyone has ever mentioned me once. Um, yeah. And also, I think having a lot of people who are also very anxious in this space means that a lot of people are very prone to being like really bad at communication in a way that makes me feel good because I'm also terrible at communication. Um, everyone is just like oh i think you're really cool and i want to say hi but also no one knows how to say hi um and it's really funny (laughs) yeah yeah um it's it's certain certain elementary school vibes never go away we're all just kids at the dance sitting on the wall like "Ah, it's be really scary to say something look real silly right now (laughs) (laughs) yeah my uh my best friend we've been friends for like 20 five years or something insane like that. And he doesn't really have anxiety at all. And the other day, randomly just started like people just started like appreciating posting me. And it was really, it was cool. Like I'm super grateful of everyone who did it and it meant a lot to me, but it also gave me like a ton of, uh, imposter syndrome, anxiety. And I was just like, I I don't like, I don't even know what to say anymore. It was just insane. And he was like, you gotta like, you know, promote a thing. And I was like, I am not fucking saying a thing. I'm just going to go on and just like, thank everybody again. And then I'm going to turn off Twitter. Yeah. I I normally hit them with the, I am deeply humbled. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Because like, I just like, I, it's one of, I've always been really anxious around my birthday. Like Mm. it's a mix of like, Oh, it's cool. And like, it's, it's, I think birthday is the ultimate example of like anxiety for me, especially like on yeah. Twitter when it's like, Hey, I exist today. This is the anniversary of me existing. And a lot yeah. of people will use that as the excuse to be very like genuinely kind. And these are things that I will often screenshot and save for a really bad day. But yeah. also, ah, it's, it's deeply, deeply anxiety inducing for anyone to be like, Oh, I think your work is really good. Um, I just, I wrote an article for a thing recently that'll, go live in a few days and like the person who was like going over it and doing the editing is like oh this is beautiful and it always made me cry and i was like yeah um that's a lot of words to say actually i you sure you, you are you yeah. looking at mine <laughs> yeah yeah it's <laughs> i get it 100 it's um i mean it's cool and you know i guess for the listening audience like hey we still want compliments you know what i mean yes uh <laughs> but yeah but it, it is like it's 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 so interesting to just kind of go through it all and, and see, especially I think it, I, in this way that you and I can relate, I think that like growing up, um, experiencing neurodivergence, experiencing being black in a non-black space, like, and dealing with like being a nerd, which is like another thing that like people can pick on you for. Like there's so many things that go against you that it kind of, you get to a point where it's like, you understand that what your worth is, but it's still sometimes hard to see. Yeah. To see that um, every day and to like understand you can do it. Oh yeah, incredibly. Um, and once again, doubling down on compliments are always appreciated. I have had <laughs> yeah. bad days, uh, yeah. but it, and like I, I find it beyond like humbling whenever anyone leaves a review or like and literally yeah. anything I've ever done or just even spends a time watching a TikTok, like all of that. I always make I'm uh, make a million thank you videos and thank you things because it is. I think like the world is very busy. It's very hectic, and if anyone chooses to spend a single minute of their time or even a single second of their time with a thing I've made, it will always, beyond belief, make me deeply humbled and happy and, like, I appreciate you. To anyone listening right now, I'm going to tell you, I appreciate you for yeah. listening. Um, yeah, absolutely. 
but yeah, like I also grew up in this way. Like as a kid, I always felt like, oh, you know, the feeling of like people are clearly laughing at me, right? Like if mm. you saw people like just giggling when you walk past, it wasn't. They could have been talking about whatever. But my brain mm. always went to, what if I did something really, really silly looking? Um, yeah. you, you know, and that feeling it still permeates, and it's a active process still to tell myself no you you are allowed to be complimented and allowed to have like feel good about the things you do um, yeah and one day i'll get there um but for now i i appreciate it and i'll try <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah for sure well i mean even like you know being deeply introverted and like doing a thing where it's like hey you're gonna reach out to folks who you don't know and have no reason to know who you are because you've never had an audience for anything navar <laughs> <laughs> and try to convince them to come on your show. Like that was such a wild, yeah. just kind of wrap my brain around that idea. Um, and yeah, and then the, you know, beginning to meet wonderful people like yourself and and do all these different things. And like, uh, I don't do a lot of performing because of my home responsibilities. I just don't have a lot of time for it. Um, but I would love to do more. And I'm just excited anytime I get to, like anytime somebody's like, oh, yeah. oh I want you on the show. Um, you know, I was told, I did a, <laughs> I did a guest performance uh, where I, I did an impersonation of Morgan Freeman's voice, and my character was also called Morgan Freeman, and ah, but yes. spelled different for legal reasons. Um, yes. and uh, and uh, yeah, and my friend told me afterwards they were like, yeah, um, my sister, no matter what we do with the show, like absolutely wants you to come back and will not let, leave us alone until it happens. And like that's yeah. so cool because I didn't but, grow yeah. up a theater kid like i you know what i mean no way this is just something i did yeah no i feel the exact same way with tabletop performing or anything the very first stream i did was a charity one for friends uh friends who roll dice like two years ago like yeah yeah it was like monster of the week it was a horror game and like at the end of it people like are you that was your that was your first time like doing a thing i was like oh terrifying (laughs) Uh, cool that's a big compliment and then, like, whenever anyone, like, oh, like, you know, I want I want Dare on the show or, like, you know, reaches out and it's like, oh, this is beyond – just the ask is beyond humbling. Um, yeah. I, I got to play When the Sun Dies with a stream uh, last year. Um, mm. And it was really cool because the first time I got to actually play my game. Um, yeah. And, like, somebody – like, one of the one of the cast members, uh, their sibling was in the chat. Mm. Um so like after the show ends and they're like, Oh, I'm crying. And then like the sibling comes out and like meets me on camera and like their eyes are still like, they're still like finishing up crying. I'm like, first off, like, I'm so sorry that like, I- I'm both really sorry that this thing like impacted you to the point that you're crying. But also I like hope that was really like a well, good uh, earned cry. And like, yeah, that, that was really beautiful for you. Um, And like, that's always been like, that one's the one that will always hit my heart with like, that was the weirdest one in a very beautiful way. of like, oh, I got to see the way I made someone cry. Oops. <laughs> yeah. But like, I've always loved being a performer. I had like my, like as a kid, I like was big into stand up at the same way mm-hmm. of like, I would have always loved to do comedy and I, I make music as a hobby. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, which is one of my few hobbies I don't monetize. Um, <laughs> but like, I just make little loops and like beats for fun and like, I've always liked making things, but I never, I never had a route to it, to like doing anything for an audience. And it, you know, tabletops just happened to be the weird one. And I'm honestly honored to be here every day. 
because it yeah. is just such a very particular type of fun. I described it with a friend as like keeping oral tradition and oral storytelling alive in like a very weird way. Yeah. Like it's hard to explain this tabletop story because so much happens in such a like condensed amount of time and like getting to explain that with anyone feels really cool. If anyone else gets it or done it. Um, yeah. Like it's, I, I, it comes back. I love making things. That's why mm-hmm. I like write, write games and everything. And like getting to feel that sense of like community based storytelling is why I love tabletop so much. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think too, you know, in, especially when you're like talking about, um, games like you know gentle on transplaner and stuff like that like you're creating a story with a character that people are endeared to right and so like when people really really love this thing it's hard um well it's not hard but it's like it becomes a part of their memories too like you said like that oral tradition and so yeah like you know we have these characters i can think of a few podcasts where it's like listening to you know for years or whatever and it's like man when that character died it was like such a hard time and then like you want your friends to listen and uh and just like go through the same shit even though that's like you know obviously sad uh but yeah like it's it's one of those things of just like you know i think i guess to like to clarify that like for myself like i never really processed sad emotions when I was younger very well. And so like sad music, sad movies is a way that's like, it accesses it in a way that I a lot of times can't really do on my own. And I think that like, to me, I love it. Like it yeah, makes me like, feel better. I, I often use the word catharsis media. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I, like I, I call Ava a comfort movie because it it scares people, but <laughs> I mean like to be way like more honest, I'd say it's more of a catharsis movie. It like forces me to yeah. have to like confront like the oof feeling. Yes. Um, you know, like I, I, Bojack Horseman's another one. Like those are shows that are very like, oh, here's a lot of feelings and they're very intense emotions, and it's nice to feel those uh, because I've always, you know, like I'm I'm neurodivergent, so there's always that sense of distance almost from how mm-hmm. I'm feeling at times. Yeah. So like getting to like I can't necessarily express how I'm feeling, but I'm going to watch this very like aggressive thing that will do it for me <laughs> and like get yeah. help me get there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And that's why I'm in therapy. So, uh, <laughs> um, one other thing I want to write here. I mean, in all in due time, I think it's one of those things like when, when it makes sense for you, then I think it's good. I think everybody should do it personally, oh, but yeah. I don't like, it's one of those things like you really have to find the right person, the right situation. I know I, I'm, I'm a lot of, I'm a lot of labels and it's going to take a minute. <laughs> it took me. Yeah. I'll be on like, so I've never talked about this before, but like when I was looking, it was like trying to find like the right person to, to like, I wanted them to be like similarly in age with me just as a relatable thing. Yeah. Um, you know, like I knew I didn't want it to be like a cishet white man. Yeah. Um, for a number of reasons. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, just like things like that, like, and then like, yeah, no. okay, like, do you, are you familiar with these kinds of uh, issues or topics yeah. or traumas or whatever um yeah it's it's tough and then you still have to like meet them and fucking see if you yeah, so have to make sure you get along at that point too. yeah uh like yeah. being you know trans i'm polyamorous i i like mm-hmm. i said a lot of things um yeah. so it's like oh i first i want to make sure someone who like understands what it means it's like when when i like talk about something from the point of view it's like as a black person uh, as yeah. a trans person as a queer yeah. person like 
making sure these because like you know i don't want to hit two of them and they're like well why do you have two partners like all right well now you missed the boat that that one was actually <laughs> yeah. fine <laughs> yeah that was supposed to be the easy part you're supposed to move past that yeah now that one's fine <laughs> yeah um yeah uh, but uh super big tangent but what i wanted to actually ask you about uh when i sing was the you had mentioned like playing all the different types of elves um, and I was curious, like as a black person, did you create black characters? Oh yes, all my characters. Uh, every, every one of them is is black. Um, yeah. Uh, like because I, at the core of it, it was wanting that wanting to see more of myself in the world. Um, yeah. And it's it's led me to realize I think some really interesting things, um, whether it be like implicit biases. You know, I you don't often see heroic bodies that are also big. So, you know, realizing yeah. like, oh, yeah. I have an implicit bias towards making my character skinny, uh, yeah. not be- because, you know, I'm used to seeing that in the world in it. Um, or when you make black hairstyles, having to uh, go out of your way to, like, look up some because you're like, well, actually, I like my hair has always been like a few styles and I know my yeah. styles, but like, yeah, I also have never seen a ton of variety of black haired media. So mm-hmm. having to do like some real deep research or when finding uh, you know, getting commissions done, like, all right, let me see what your black characters look like before I commission <laughs> yeah. you. Cause I need to make sure you're good on this front or are you going yeah. to make this, the features look too Eurocentric. And like, mm-hmm. that was one of those things, especially as I started doing shows where like, sometimes they will have cast artwork done for you. And it's like, Oh, that's like really cool. Let me make sure that these features are like highlighted prominently and like yeah. make sure people know how like like blackity black I will be with my characters regardless. Yeah. Um and like it it's one of those things that like once you start doing it you make it, it helped it helped me make more of space for myself in the in the tabletop space of like no I I my characters will always be black. They a lot of their names are rooted in blackness or references to things even in games yeah. that aren't expressly humanoid like wander home i made mm-hmm. a i made a hedgehog poet named baldwin clearly named <laughs> after james baldwin like there, there will always be a, a hint of blackness to everything i do because yeah. that it's so you know so core to who i am as a person yeah that's awesome yeah i love it well i think that is where we will end the recording but um thank you so much for for coming on and, and sharing all your stories and uh, it was so nice to finally get to talk to you yeah and, uh hang out so yeah i appreciate that uh it, it was uh, honestly wonderful to be here i love just kind of sitting and shooting the breeze for like an hour yeah. um i like to talk <laughs> uh, <laughs> i wouldn't be here if i didn't <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for having me on yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, yeah, I guess um, sometimes I remember to do this. You know, if you would like, uh, where can people find you? Um, okay. So I don't always remember to do this. <laughs> okay. So you can find me on uh, most spots of the internet at Dare to Dream RPG, D A R E, the number two, D R E A M RPG. Um, you can find me there on Instagram, TikTok, Tumblr, I guess. I do that a little still. Uh, <laughs> Twitter. <laughs> Look, Oleander and I are very similar people, honestly. I love Oleander. I love Oleander, too. Um, so. <laughs> yeah, I'm on the internet. If you look up Dare to Dream RPG, you'll find me. you find me on Itch, where you, if you're interested in any of the games I've talked about, you could buy mm. my games. Um, anything. I, I'm on the internet too much. You can also just yell at me and say hi. I will, I'll say hi back, and I'll probably like playfully argue with you if you, if you want that. I do that <laughs> a lot. 
Um, But yes, this was an incredible time. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you would like to reach out to us, check out the many options on the Anchor app or anchor.fm on your browser. You can also reach us at secretnerdpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe to the show, and if you'd like, leave a review to help us grow this thing. Thank you.